0: Hello everyone, welcome back again to the Markout Podcast. It has been a while since uh, I was last in here, but uh, we're trying something new. As you can see, I have a new uh, guest host with me this week, and we're going to try to flow with the guest host coming forward, but uh, shout out to my producer, Jay, for the new intro. That was awesome. And uh, today we got SB West Coast co-leader, co-founder, co-runner, something either of those <laughs> that, that all works man yeah <laughs> but Z on today thank you no thank you man
1: um i was uh as soon as you hit me up about this man or actually you posted about it i was like yo get me on for real i would love to be number one um like i said uh yeah i've um kind of like a deep you know strong connection with uh wrestling um as a child, you know many, many years of being entertained um, with storylines and um, you know feats of uh, athleticism, uh, which is really what these guys are—they're they're athletes and they're performers, you know—and they they do a really, really good job of it. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here on the show. Thank you, uh, Stash. Thank you, Jay. Very honored.
0: It's funny because a lot of fighters have a very polarizing opinion on wrestling. It's either like you love it or you hate it. But there's a lot in our group specifically that do have um, these fond memories of it and understand it. And that's where it comes down to. If you understand it, then you usually have an appreciation to it. If you don't understand it at all, then there might be like, you know, some resentment towards it. But I noticed uh, talking to you Um, First, like your sense of humor and the gifts you would put some time. Like, oh, this guy, this guy has some wrestling in him. He like he likes the old school stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I I know what you mean, man. And um, you know that that stigma has always been around about wrestling. It's it is either love or hate. Like you have to be all the way in, or you have to be for some reason like all the way against it. Is what it seems. I mean, it sucks that it's like that because you know, not everything is like that. Not every TV show is like, has uh, a whole crowd that loves it and a whole crowd that hates it. So it's really in a unique spot. Um, but I I will say that, I mean, any way you look at it, any way, any attention is good, right? Whether it's, um, positive or negative. And that's really something that I think wrestling, you can learn from wrestling is, um, there's different energies that you can harness, you know what I'm saying? There's a dark energy, if you will, and like a light energy and stuff in between too. So you can be a mix and you can be whatever you want to be basically. And that was, that was ultimately like looking back, that was what it was for me. It was kind of like inspiring. It was kind of like, you know, you can, you can um, be who you want to be. And that's, and that's kind of like why I'm a gamer as well is like, Um, I just love taking on roles that are different and trying to excel in them and so like that's kind of how wrestling was in my head you know.
0: Yeah so so let's start it off I usually I think I'm gonna ask this question to most people since I'm gonna have a rotating uh, guest window uh, for the foreseeable future. What is it that was your first memory of wrestling? How did you get into it? And what was a big thing that stood out to you?
1: I, I actually think uh, my, my very first memory was from a Super Nintendo game, I believe. So I didn't have access to like a whole lot of channels as a, as a really young kid. Um, but I somehow had a Super Nintendo, so um, of course, got a hold of WWF, right? Um played it a bunch, played it with my friends, t- had tons of fun. and I honestly like i didn't I didn't realize for a long time that these characters on this video game were characters on a on a show and a real life show. And so, like I didn't make that connection for a while. I don't know how long it was um but then eventually i came across some footage um you know and then it it was over from there man just and it was really for me early early on it was wcw and um Hmm. i know we talked a little bit about this in text but man like just the difference in um the style of wrestling or you know during that time period and specifically wcw had a lot of high flyers Very technical, fast-moving, that type of wrestling versus, you know, where WWF at that time was, like, there was a lot of, like, one big clothesline and one big this and one big that. And that was the style, and this really, like, was two different styles at that time. And for me, it was all about that hot, fast-paced, high-flying, technical style, and that was WCW, so...
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in the mid 90s, WWE, everybody was on TRT, Jack to the Gills, and it was. act, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Super big. And it was a lot like the matches were not that great unless you got to like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. But down the card, it was really bad. You had like <laughs> um, garbage truck drivers. You had. Um, um, have you ever seen Mantar?
1: I have not. I have not seen Mantar. Enough. Maybe
0: maybe Jay could search up Mantar the wrestler and pull it up. But it, it was basically a dude with a big um, bull head. And he was like, he's like 300 pounds. He kind of looks like, like he's never had an athletic uh, yeah. virtue in his life. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a big ass dude. And it'd be this realistic um, bull helmet. And then he would take it off and he would just like, his face would be painted like brown over his face. It was weird. Wow. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, no. And like, I
1: that's, it's funny that I don't know that wrestler specifically, but that's an archetype and a build that I remember for sure.
0: Yeah, right.
1: That was around during that time. And it was really about big, tall guys. They didn't, they could be muscular, but they didn't have to be. They could be pretty just like, whatever looking but yeah was, oh. as long
0: as you were six foot three yeah, and like dude, had dude. a 200 pound for plus flame, frame you were there yeah yep can you go off the ropes good can you throw a clothesline good all right we're in dude. <laughs> yeah it. and they would they would have these storylines like the like the dumpster guy would be on his garbage route and he'd be <laughs> like i'm taking out the trash in the wwf uh no, that's look at, look
1: oh,
0: at how. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> 400 pounds, dude. It looks like those things you take off of, like, a um, Cracker wow. Barrel wall. Yeah, no, for
1: real, for real. 400 <laughs> pounds. And, dude, there was a bunch of guys like that, man. Like, <laughs> Yokozuna, Viscera. Yeah. Just really huge guys that were actually, like, surprisingly strong, too. Yeah. Um, but man just massive like it didn't even make sense you know you see him on the screen you like I mean I know they're a real human but it doesn't seem it seems like an episode of like something you know and that's yeah. what it, it was always like that in my head was like you know wrestling is like I know it's not real real but mm-hmm. I know those thumps are real and they're falling on the mat for real and like Sometimes they get injured, and sometimes that blood's real. You know what I'm saying? So
0: yeah. See, look at my memory. I was right. He had the things around his eyes. That's how oh, he looked. Oh yeah, look. it's crazy. He that's wild. It was like it didn't last for more than like a month, I believe. And it was just like there was full guys full like that. Yeah. And they would think, oh, he's big. He can do something. His finisher was he would stand in the corner and he would just, like, rev himself up and then just do a big, like, boom, like that. It was fucking (laughs) horrible. That's all he would do. Pin him now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pin him now.
1: No, that's brutal, man. And so, yeah, like, obviously, though, it still had a huge fan base, and, like, that wasn't the only era for them. Like, they went through a lot of transitions, too, but at that time, like, as a kid, I just loved you know uh we were talking about Billy Kidman uh Raymond Yeah, Theory. let's let's
0: uh, let's transition to that. So like uh, like we were saying on WWF that was what's going on, but on WCW they implemented this new division called the Cruiserweights and uh let's talk about that. Talk about some of your favorite ones. Are you going to talk about Billy Kidman, talk about that.
1: Yeah, man. Uh like I and then okay, yeah. So we were talking about Super Nintendo, right? So then later oh.
0: later on, oops, sorry.
1: It's all right Murph come, come come all right she's good uh I later on I picked up a ps1 game that was like WCw Thunder or maybe Nitro I think I may probably had both um, but it had Billy Kidman on there and I I knew who he was but I didn't really I wasn't familiar with his moves and stuff so it was actually on the video game that I got familiar with at the time his uh finisher was the seven year itch which is it's still a shooting star just like different name right Uh, okay that and then like all of his other named moves and so like i really got to know him kind of through the video game again you know um and then so after that i was a huge billy kidman fan you know anytime he was on i would watch him i'd watch a um youtube videos or try to download videos of him. you know um because uh it, just a real technical style, like him and Rey Mysterio would go at it. I remember him and Hooventude. Um, Jeez, uh, I don't even know. He would go against big, bigger guys too. You know, he would go against guys
0: like, um, uh, well, there was, uh, in the like end of his career, WCW we actually had a pretty famous feud with Hulk Hogan. And it was pretty cool. He got a couple wins on Hogan, and that was cool to see. Back in the day, they kind of really did stick to their
1: um, weight classes, you know? So if you were, like, yeah. if you were a cruiserweight, you fought a ton of cruiserweights. If you were a heavyweight, you fought. That's what you fought, you know? And so, like, it's cool to see wrestlers through the years kind of transition and the times transition as well. And for him to get some screen time, like, with someone like Hogan, that's cool man that's really cool they're both legends in my book you know
0: so like why not why not do that type of stuff so so you mentioned uh at the beginning that his finisher was called the seven year itch on that game do you know why it was called the seven year itch
1: yeah he was he was uh he was in the raven flock yeah right? yeah um and so i guess that's all i i'm not sure So if you're his- His
0: original character is he was an addict, like he was supposed to be like a Uh, drug addict or a meth addict or something like like that.
1: Orange shirts and stuff, and like, yeah, and he would scratch himself, yeah, stuff
0: like that. Okay, okay, so that makes sense, yeah. (laughs) And uh, it was crazy how like these guys would have these weird gimmicks, but they would grow out of it, and nobody even remembers that when you talk about Billy Kidman, yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Let's see. What's another one that's a good example? Like X Pac was like one, two, three kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was not just the one people really remember. Um exactly. Diesel, aka
0: um uh Kevin. Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash. yeah. Yeah, that there's was- a couple yeah. when wrestlers first come out, they're trying to find themselves. You know, Rocky My V is a good example of that yeah. too. Yeah. But Um, it's like they put these weird over-the-top things on people, and then they just realize, oh, this guy could just be a wrestler. You know, no special strings attached.
1: For real. And And it's hard, though. You know, when you're trying to break into the scene, I imagine, like, if I'm trying to impress or, you know, get some type of reaction, yeah, I'm going to probably go over the top at first. You know, that's just like, I don't know, in my brain, I'm like, I'm trying to, like, wow, you know what I'm saying? So it kind of makes sense in my head.
0: Well, it's like sometimes that works. Like um, in the opposite direction, Goldust did that. He (laughs) was well-known. It's like his most well-known character. He still wrestles to this day. Yeah. But he'll probably be known as Goldust. Goldust.
1: Yeah. And, oh, man. And for me, that's a name that really I have some memories with because Booker T is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So, like, you know, there was a long time where him – Booker T and Goldust were, they were kind of like a tag team, but it was kind of troll, you know, but then they would do well. But then it was really about the story and the cutscenes because it was just so <laughs> funny and so hilarious. And I can't believe some of those things were said on TV, honestly. Um, 2002 was, like, was like, the
0: wildest year for WWE. Like, that was right out of the Attitude Era. And they were like, oh, shit, we're losing viewers. Let's just go all in. Go <laughs> Do everything. Like, let's, it's almost porn, but not porn. You know, uh, it was
1: like, it was wild, dude. It was wild for sure. Um, But wildly entertaining, you know? And so that's the end goal is like, are people being entertained? And I think, I know I was during that time, so.
0: (laughs) I was too young to watch that when it started getting that bad. Like, we always (laughs) knew the Attitude Era was going to get crazy, but that was really crazy because you had like hot lesbian action. And you had like. Dude. A lot of stuff. We're on panties matches every single week. Every week. Yeah. It was like it was almost like, you know,
1: I you had to like look over your shoulder and be like, I don't know, my parents watching right now. Like
0: every like- girl who would challenge for the woman's title would be like, if I win, I'm taking my top <laughs> off live in the ring. <laughs> every single of the bitches would never win. Oh but- my yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like so close, the whole crowd would be like, Yeah, yeah. Like, uh. like, they would tease it, yeah, and then yeah, they would just yeah. end up getting beat. And then the, the champion was usually like, um, some like conservative, like yeah. no no skin at all female, yep. and she would just leave.
1: Yep, was there was that, well, there was that censorship group, I forgot what they're doing. Oh, name. yeah, uh,
0: like to censor
1: yes yeah and they had they they went through some members that was funny man that was funny to see who went through there
0: yeah you had you had you that's when the wwe took every person that was offensive and put them in that group so you had godfather <laughs> val venus venus um, yeah i was gonna say
1: val venus was in there yeah um but, With, what was, that was sleeves, his name? right he had his
0: yeah he had his sleeves cut off yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, Stephen Richards was in there. He was the oh, leader. Dude, I forgot it, but he was, like, the leader, right? Yeah, he was the leader. That was his biggest push. He was a big deal at that time. Oh, for sure. I remember him. I remember him. I think they had, a uh, Balbu Buchanan, which that's an obscure one, but that, he oh. was, like, the bald guy in that group.
1: I remember him as well.
0: Yeah. And then really- you topped it off with Ivory. I think that's right to censored right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and they would just come and ruin the day man yeah. I, I remember yeah it was good it was a really good push I think um, and it was something that was like really well played in my opinion looking back
0: that could have been a better group if they gave it more time because it was like it got them really pissed because you would have like um, like a mud bath fight and then they would come out yeah. there with the burlap sacks yeah. and cover and the girl like nope
1: nope yeah Oh, dude, yeah, people would be wildly angry, and, and <laughs> that's a reaction that you, you you want, you know, if that's the, the goal of your group, then you're doing it right, and they were doing it right, dude, because I remember every week they'd be coming on ruining something, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny, because, like, so I watched a lot of that stuff back, because obviously I was, like, five, but I do remember, like, small memories of watching that, yeah, but it's interesting that you remember that every week for because for me that was like a blimp, like, oh, I don't think they lasted that long. <laughs> they probably oh, lasted a good forever. year.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're around forever, man. And they mess with like all kinds of groups, you know, like the APA and like oh yeah. Um, uh, of course, they were always like smoking and drinking and gambling and and stuff like that, and um they messed with pretty much every every group that you could think of, you know, so.
0: Yeah, the APA, that, yeah, those 2,000 groups were so funny because I remember they would always have an arena set for them with their little gambling table and everything. Yeah, yeah. And they yep. were like a group for hire, like a guns for hire. <laughs> yeah, so really. to talk to them, you would have to go through their door, and it's not a room, it's just like a door, <laughs> and then behind it's a table and shit, and they're like, use the damn door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes i remember that yeah and they were like they were like enforcers dude and so like if you came with them you had to like offer some type of deal or like you know like what's in it for them you know because yeah. they're chilling they're smoking yeah, exactly. they're drinking, so like they're fine not helping you you know it was kind of a cool like thing that they had and i, I definitely enjoyed that too
0: it's like they would, and that was cool because they weren't good or bad. They would help whoever. They would help yeah. good guys and bad guys just as was, long as you had the money.
1: Yes. It was a wild card. You didn't know which side. They could have helped someone last week, and you know, they can help the enemy the next week. That you have no idea. So that was pretty yeah. cool.
0: That, that, you don't see that a lot like a neutral. And that gave them good reason. They're like, we just care about the money. We don't really give a shit about anything else, you know? Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. They, and they really didn't have to be involved with a whole lot of storylines. Um, I know they were, uh, you know, throughout the course of it, of course. Um, but really it was just, if they were involved, it was their story. It was the table, it was the door. It was, you know, you came to them and yeah. then if they were, if they accepted then yeah, you'd see them in the ring too. But <laughs> yeah, see,
0: it's it's funny how in WWE you remember the storylines more and the characters, but in um in WCW, like I can't really think of storylines like that off my head. Uh,
1: yeah, and and so I I will definitely agree with you on that. Um and it for me, probably I'm guessing, you know, when I was watching WCW, I was like five, six, seven, eight. And like, I played with a lot of action figures. I love martial arts, you know, I love Bruce Lee. And so like the high flyers and the technical fast wrestling is what really entertained me in that moment. Uh, But as I grew up, you know, I like watched a lot of anime and a lot of movies and and stuff like that. And so I I think I was still attracted to wrestling. um, But like you said, you know, the story was more what captivated me in that moment and that was wwe at the time so
0: yeah like in wcw you had nwo was the big deal like they were 90 percent of the show pretty much oh for sure for sure yep yep they would come on and they would have their storyline and that the cruiserweights would just basically fight each other there was no really sometimes like if you had chris jericho or maybe like Ray Mysterio, they would throw in a storyline, but it was just pretty much this is their division, this is their
1: time, and then yeah, yeah, was NWL. It was
0: really separate for sure, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: man, Jericho, yeah, and his. Can we talk about his finisher for a second? How it <laughs> changed? It's changed, and the way I remember it as a kid, it was the Lion Tamer, right? And so yeah. it was much higher. It was like the neck was bent and he was he was sitting on the head you know yeah Up.
0: why is it a boston crab now (laughs) i think for the reason that a lot of kids were trying to emulate it and anything with the neck and stuff when he went to wwe they're like let's not do that
1: yeah yeah. I mean,
0: that's that's a guess. I haven't actually. I don't know the exact reason, but I would think that's a guess as to why. Because of the lion Saber was cool. It was probably he's gone through a lot of finishers over the years, but that's he had probably his best a lot one. Of
1: unique ones, dude, and a lot of ones that are cool. Honestly, yeah. um, he's had some really cool ones. Um, but I think something else that may have contributed to that is that you know when he when you move over to he like gained weight he was not so small anymore and so he was probably wrestling bigger guys and bigger guys can't really be held in that position you know so
0: oh you
1: got to modify it in my mind i'm like you know but he did he did rest he feuded with like benoit and so like i don't know when you look back at both of those guys in wcw they are physically smaller like yeah you know, whether they're on st- steroids or not at that time, they were mm-hmm. still smaller than when they were wrestling and characters in the WWE. So I don't know, that kind of goes through my head too, is like, is a, is a move anatomically, physically possible, you know, or is it only possible when you're wrestling as a cruiserweight, smaller guys and you're well, a smaller? you know
0: yeah i mean that's why it's good to have a finisher that works on everybody it's the same i never thought about the wine tamer not working on certain people but i guess that is right (laughs) like the big show or something the big
1: show yeah it's like you just gotta lift his legs up because he can't bend any more than that you know so uh, yeah
0: it um yeah I, i think a lot of guys from like that were going to WWE in the 90s had to worry about the land of giants thing because, um, and WCW they just put them with guys their size if they were in the cruiserweight, right. but then you come to WWE and everybody's like <laughs> six foot three at least, 280 <laughs> yeah. pounds. It was so mixed, man. It was mixed, and I remember like
1: the Intercontinental Championship was like the step down, right? It was like the one down, but it wasn't really like a weight down, it was like a it was like a rank down almost title. Yeah. So like you can you had guys like Test <laughs> you know, who rest in peace, I believe. He passed. Yeah, away. yeah, Um, I used to love watching that guy. He was so tall and his big boot would just flying out of nowhere, and, and you would hear the smack, right? And this guy's he's built in as like what 260, 280, probably. Yeah, but he was, he, was, he was huge. He was huge. And he wasn't wasn't fighting for like the big titles, you know, he wasn't. And it was because his character wasn't big enough, you know, and that's really was the difference um, was like WCW WCW found a way to implement a a style of wrestling and storytelling that, you know, guys could still be in their weight class. Whereas WWE, like you said, You'd, it was mixed. It was so mixed. And and so, like, if you were a smaller guy, six foot something, six foot one, six foot two, you're still going to be wrestling dudes that are, like, twice, three times your size. You know, it's just how it is.
0: Yeah, and think about that. Six foot is freaking tall.
1: That's tall. That's tall. Now, out out there, it? it's nothing. It's nothing, dude. It's yeah. wild. And it's kind of the same with, like, football and sports in general. Like, these guys are just freak athletes you know like i mean guys like brock lesnar just born to be killer athletic human beings you know and like some people are just born with it and some people gotta work for it but if you're gonna compete at the highest level you ha- you have to expect to take on monsters it doesn't it doesn't matter what sport you're in basically you know whether yeah. wrestling or or this or that um It's just, that's just how it is. the The bigger, the better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and that's why you have to go through and think like, okay, how could I visibly, if it's me wrestling, how am I going to hurt like a big guy? You know, how am I going to hurt the Undertaker? What would I have to do? And I have to to think about that stuff. Yeah,
1: you have to use your skill set and the moves you already have to work an area like a leg or, uh, you know, his back or something, you know what I'm saying, to chop him down, you know, but,
0: yeah. And that's why Chris Benoit was one of the best at doing that, in my opinion, because every time he would fight someone, he would literally chop them down. I remember watching him versus A-Train, and I would be like, damn, he makes this guy look so small, and A-Train's like, 320 pounds and he would just be chopping them with everything and then like you know working the cross space, everything uh
1: literal chops man literal chops from chris benoit were absolutely brutal him and jericho had probably my favorite chops um i mean maybe the big show with his big overhand yeah (laughs) that one's brutal too and like you could see the hand imprint of it doesn't matter who it is they're getting that imprint on there you know and um, those chops are real, man. Like, I don't know if I'm sure you've taken some chops, dude. Like, they hurt and they sting, dude. And it leaves a mark. Like, if you're not used to them, you know what I'm saying? If you're not, if your areas aren't tenderized to
0: it, yeah, it's going to
1: bruise and it's going to not be pretty for a while. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah,
0: I haven't taken any, but I've seen, like, you know, you could see it when you watch a wrestling show. If you've ever been to one live, you see it in person. And there's just no real way to, like, uh you know stage that it's just no. like the sound it makes at the particular wherever you hit it just echoes and you know they uh. have to really lay it in there.
1: Yes, you have to man. And it's really like the crowd plays into it and really like if it's enclosed an enclosed area that helps as well I'm sure you know um but man some of those chops whew, just they just make you cringe, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> There's a lot of wrestlers who refuse to do the chops. It's funny you talked about Jericho. Um, he was in a feud. He tells a story about him being in a feud with Ken Shamrock in the late 90s. Oh, Ken shit. Shamrock was like, don't don't fucking chop me. I don't want to get chopped. And he's like, why? You know, I, I chop everybody. he's like, it, it <laughs> looks <laughs> fake to me. I don't want to do it. Wow. So, wow. But, of course, he just probably didn't like it. Yeah, so the
1: thing is, I, I'm sure Ken was like, we all know he was probably juiced at that time, you know, and so he was probably trying to prevent an incident or he got so angry that he got chopped, you know, that's in my brain, that's probably
0: where he was, but he probably just sounded like an asshole. <laughs> well, so Jericho ended up chopping him and then he says that Ken Shamrock folded him into like a little pretzel in the middle of the ring and it was like. I told you not to do that to me. And he's like, okay, I won't, I won't anymore. So that's what happened with that. Oh God. I hope I, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, Wild, Ken Shamrock man. was nuts. I wouldn't, you know, mess with that he, guy in his prime.
1: He was so strong. And, and, um, I mean, he was the real, he could really fight obviously, you know? Uh, but yeah, no, he was, he was a really good wrestler as well. He had yeah. uh, really fluid movement and, um, If the other wrestler could flow with him, then it was it could be a good dance, you know? Uh, I used
0: to like when he would do the Hurricane Rana. Something about when he would do that was so fluid and, like, his viciousness. He was basically, like, what uh, Kurt Angle was. He was supposed to be that, but it just never came to, you know, they never put the title on him. They never ran with it. I don't know if that was his personality because i thought his personality was good but for one reason or another they just never hit the button with ken shamrock
1: yeah yeah no and it'll always be a mystery you know why why some wrestlers were superstars but kind of faded away or faded in and out or or you know obviously like goldberg is one that i'll always think of yeah he did come back and you know he had some good years i feel like you know after his his big stint but when I look back and I look at WCW, like I see all the characters, but there's no, there's no moment, um, that hit me like it did when Goldberg <clears throat> was active in mm-hmm. WCW and, um, they couldn't ride it forever. Right. we had, we yeah. saw the end of it. Like you can't ride that something like that forever, but man, it was good for a long time. Um, I've never felt like someone was so unstoppable, like, so like absolutely nobody could beat this guy. You know, that was Goldberg for me when I was watching WCW and, um, but yeah, you know, it couldn't last forever. And, uh, I thought looking back, I think it's pretty unique how they started to make him a more human and less superhero, you know? Um, 'Cause initially it was like they had to cheat, right? It was Kevin Nash with the cattle prod, I think that was the yeah first that's how it ended. First official loss. Um, and then he started to lose after that. And so um that was kind of obviously the downfall of everything, in my opinion. <laughs> was like what? Yeah,
0: so back in the day, for those of you who don't know, Goldberg was unbeatable like when they debuted him they just they didn't even like put much like they were like oh here's this guy Bill Goldberg Then he goes and he eats a finisher from some dude gets up destroys the dude in like five minutes they try (laughs) to get a word with him he doesn't speak he doesn't say anything and then they just keep a tracker like they build it up so nice they keep a tracker him just killing all these guys in like five minutes yep yep Yep. And then they start counting, okay? He's 28 and 0. He's fucking 30 and 0 and Client just it. every yeah, every week it'll be like week week uh 5, he'll be like uh 15 and 0 and then the next week he'll be like 29 and 0. <laughs> like what happened to all <laughs> those wins? How do he do that? They would yes. just add on numbers and it didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, in my brain I was like, "Oh, he's doing the shows on our on TV, so he's getting extra wins." You know, that's like <laughs> Like, that was what was in my head. Um, but because at that time, it was like, it was just so believable for me. Like, I was, you know, a little kid. I'm just like, dang, this guy is so, so strong. And like, he just absolutely obliterates everybody. It's not even close, you know, even these guys that are like, um, like these huge personalities, WCW personalities that were already like, fan, fans love them basically these fans were being transferred to Goldberg through these matches. Cause he would one by one, just dismantle everybody, you know? And so like, eventually at the end, it was like, everybody was a Goldberg fan. Everybody's chanting Goldberg, you know, and you had, and you get to that point and it really is the top. And, and you can't stay there for very long. Um, was, but I, it... I'm glad that I was around and that I enjoyed it. Cause it was cool. It's definitely cool to, to watch.
0: It's like back, like he would do things that no other wrestler would do. Like people don't talk about his set too much, but he would like do these gorilla presses where you would have guys up for five like seconds and then they he would just drop them, catch them, and then just yeah. like, you know, yep. slam them. And it was yep. crazy because these guys yep. were huge that he yep. would do this to.
1: Huge. Yeah. And he would jackhammer people. And like you said, he would hold them up like, yeah obviously it's assisted he's not doing it all himself but it's still an absolutely amazing feat you know like for um a man his size to be lifting men larger than him and to to hold them in those positions like that's superhuman and really cool really cool
0: yeah, Good man. and then, unfortunately, yeah, they had to ruin it at the end. But there was – it's like you said, they couldn't do that forever. At one point, he had to lose. Yeah. I don't know if it was, like, the right way. I think someone, like, probably should have beat him cleanly. <laughs> because yeah. just having the NWO cheat, that was – I don't know. That just <laughs> – it didn't make sense at that point. I get it. You were trying to get a crowd reaction and everything. But really, it just – it kind of like soured everybody to the NWL to where they didn't even want to see them anymore almost.
1: Yeah, and um I can't recall, you know, but I, I, I do remember a few periods where it was like no one could win cleanly. It was like always something disrupting the match yeah. or item that was used or a ref that was distracted. And so like for a long time, you wouldn't see that. You wouldn't see, like, a clean match just finish. Like, it was always something added in. Um, but I feel like that's a phase that comes and goes as well. I don't know. What do you, What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, in WCW, there was a lot of guys with these weird contracts who basically had created control. So uh, a lot of those guys didn't like to lose clean, like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and, it, it, you know – People talk about this a lot, and I think people give them a little bit too much grief for this. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure that's what it was with uh, with some of those guys. It's just like, you know, they were probably thinking in my head, well, I'm a big star. It doesn't make sense for me to get beat like this. And right. You know, sometimes they're right, but sometimes you do have to lose. Right. In a clean way to make the other guy believable. And that right. way you sell more money. You know, it's just basic business stuff. But at that time, I don't think anybody really took that stuff into consideration.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And that makes sense that you say that. Um, and I do want to say that someone who, a wrestler that comes to mind for me that nor, kind of normalized losing and making it okay and not being a heel was The Rock. I think The Rock lost way more than he ever won at least when i was watching him dude like and like but he would win he would always always win on the mic right like he would never lose the mic. so like you could always count on him talking that trash and like making the viewer feel a certain way like oh, hell yeah like the rock's badass you know what i'm saying and then the, it would come to the match and yeah it might be like foul play or like illegal or whatever but the rock would lose And so uh, I think it was good to, you know, humanize a superstar. Um, And it was kind of, like, cool to see, you know, like, he lost a lot. But then when he won, it meant way more, you know what I'm saying? All the fans were like, dude, we've been waiting for this. Like, The Rock doesn't win every week, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I remember it was like, man when's The Rock gonna, like, he's been losing a lot, you know, he lost to Triple H, he lost to, like, all these people, and then finally win, you know, and it'd be, like, a really cool moment,
0: you know. That's interesting, and see, you don't even remember that The Rock would lose, but now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, there was a lot of big matches where he lost.
1: He lost, he lost a lot, but it was just
0: so, like... It was, like, so secondary because he was such a good performer and everything. Like, you didn't even realize, like, oh, this guy doesn't win that much. But he was just, like, so he got you invested in everything he did.
1: It didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he won or lost. That was really, like, not the point, you know. If you were watching him wrestle, it's because it was exciting. And it always was. It didn't matter who was in there with him, you know. So...
0: Damn, dude. It, the, yeah, I, wow. There's a lot of things, I guess, that we as fans just don't remember or don't take for, or <laughs> take for granted. Um, Talking about WCW again, so you had your Cruiserweights and you had um, Goldberg. Uh, a lot of the big things <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, the NWO. Were you a big NWO guy or were you just kind of like into your cruiser weights at Goldberg? Um
1: yeah, I was actually not um like I I'm obviously I'm familiar with NWO. Um like there was the OG and then there was like the red version and then there was, you know, like I remember all that stuff, but I can't I couldn't tell you details. Hmm. Uh, I think that has to do like what with what we talked about earlier was At that time, I was so into the wrestling, the actual wrestling part that some of the story is like either fuzzy or like just didn't stick with me because it's just not what like captivated me at the time, you know. Um, But goodness. (sighs) Yeah, uh, I talked briefly about Conan in text with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really crazy. really cool
1: character like I enjoyed his wrestling I enjoyed his finisher his setups were really cool like um uh and I, if you can did he had some like some partners or that he wrestled with I can't re-
0: recall he had um so he was in the NWO for a little bit then he had um I think he's the one no I don't know if he did I think it was Eddie Guerrero but there was a Latino World Order okay okay yeah he did some stuff with that but he would he would have um pretty big feuds. i remember he uh he had a rick flair feud that was pretty well he beat rick flair yeah yeah no i
1: remember them wrestling i remember them wrestling for sure yeah and their styles kind of really complemented each other i remember
0: uh rick flair was not the big fan of conan he often talks a lot of shit um I don't know why because Conan, uh, what people don't know is back in his day in Mexico, he was the number one.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, he
0: was the big star of the yeah. early days of the 90s in Mexico. So when they brought him over, it was like, you know, if if there's any uh Hispanic fans watching, I'm sure like somebody will know who Santos is. Santos was the big. Mexican wrestler in Mexico for a lot of years. That was basically what Conan was at that time in the 90s. Yeah,
1: just a superstar, right? Like, yeah. absolutely huge. And, um, like, obviously, it had its own culture there, its own, like, you know, blew up on its own there, had its own characters, and still does to this day. Um, but yeah, no, that's cool. Um, recalling, I remember Ming. Ming's finisher was so cool to me for some reason. Um, I think he was in the WWE for briefly as well, right? Yeah,
0: he he came right after. I think right before WCW closed down, he came in and he was Haku again.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 No, but yeah. um, And it was so simple, right? But. I think it was just when he landed it, like how he landed it, it would just be out of nowhere, you know. And because uh, his
0: hands are freaking huge, the the finisher is called the Tongan Death Grip, and basically what it is is he just like he puts this part right underneath your chin, and he yeah. just goes like this.
1: Yeah, and shakes his head, dude. Like his yeah. <laughs> his <it's> giant. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's like, got
0: like a big afro, so it's shaking.
1: Yeah, it's shaking, dude. Like all the power of the spirits just coming down through this death grip dude or something man and he he would like he would do it through like a wood chair or like just like through something you know and like grab someone through the ropes or like
0: yeah he's like a monster he's like Michael Myers
1: yes yes it had that vibe for real like you didn't know when it was coming and it was just it was so simple that like you you know you could counter it but when it landed boom Done, dude. You're in the death grip. Done, bro. Like
0: <laughs> Ming was said to be um the the uh like most badass legit fighter out of the entire uh wrestling locker room. Many people have gone out on record to say that they see Ming beat up. You know, wrestling stories are a little crazy. They say like he beat up ten guys in a bar and stuff like that. Yeah. But looking at him, you could definitely see that this guy is probably fuck somebody up oh for sure no i would i would believe any story about that guy for sure
1: <laughs> just seemed like a gentle giant you know um, yeah. but powerful and yeah probably knew how to throw down and so i don't i don't uh discredit that at all
0: <laughs> so um i guess we're winding down here a little bit just um a couple last questions sure what is a match that stands out to you as being one of your favorite uh maybe like three of them if you can get me that
1: okay um one that initially
0: just pops out
1: uh into my head is actually like it was like a sunday night heat match it was booker t versus val venus and it was at a stage where um booker was he didn't have a huge fan base he had just come in from wwe um he had finished the storyline i think and like he was kind of stagnant and val had been out for a while and so they they came in and had a match and um like i said sunday night heat real low key right um but dude this match was so good and the crowd was captivated dude and so what happened was i was watching it live and i could I could feel the crowd like through the screen, basically. And dude, they were putting on a show, and the finish was so good, man. It was so good. Booker is laying on the mat, right, and um, Val is going up for money shot. Booker does a spin a Rooney out of no, like he goes from basically knocked out to like I'm back, kind of like Undertaker coming up, right? Okay. Like, whoa, what's going on? So he hops off down off the turnbuckle and booker lands this so beautiful like um i don't know what he called it at the time but it's a harlem sidekick you know like yeah that's what w he called w. it and it was like he was just gliding through the air bro flying and as soon as he landed it bro val sold it so well and the crowd was just like ah and i was like ah and so like no one had yelled or cared about Booker until that match. And it was a literally a Sunday night heat. Yeah. Like it was, it was not some like pay-per-view. It was no storyline, nothing dude. And they dish, they, they kicked ass in the ring. It was, I remember it was a real technical match. And like, I'm pretty sure I've looked it up and I can't find it. Wow. Uh, dude. it's I'll in, it's in here, bro. And like, it, it's literally something that I remember, and I still talk about like if anybody asked me about wrestling or one match, I'm like, bro, that's the one because after that, Booker literally went on like he rise and rise was rise to, you know, be a personality in WWE and do stuff with gold dust and you know be around for a long time. Um,
0: that must have been early 2002 or maybe late 2001. Yeah, so it was like, It was
1: uh, after um, the whole alliance thing, I think. Okay. Stone Cold and Booker and Kurt Angle and um, that whole group. And they had the big war, right? And I can't remember if it was, like, right after that or or what. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that timeline, when they would fight each other and Booker was kind of on the downswing, that sounds like it would be either – late 2001 or, or possibly early 2002. So I'll try to find that because that I've never heard that before. In my ears. <laughs> that fall. sounds sick, dude.
1: And you know, like it might be not as exciting as it is at <laughs> the story I told, but dude, in that moment it was like, whoa, the, like he, I felt him pull out of like the slump and it really was them both. Like Val basically sacrificed himself, you know, <laughs> in a match to create an exciting hero in just one win you know and that's that's hard to do in wrestling especially nowadays like you need a story you know you need all this for people to care to watch the match you know and for for one match for two guys for that were not a part of anything at that time yeah captivate a crowd like that like that's that was just so cool to me so well, uh um, that
0: was val venus that was basically would have been his job at that point to get people over because, <laughs> no, for, it was it was yeah yeah, because yeah. and that uh, was way past his uh porn star thing and anything <laughs> right to censor. like he was long gone with that stuff by the time that match would happen he was you are correct for sure yeah and um
1: for him to do that i think that's pretty cool you know yeah. Uh but I gotta think of two more matches. Hold on. Uh let's see. Um gosh. I'm I'm picturing so much like sting in my head and like
0: yeah,
1: death drops and stuff like that. Um well maybe just one more if you have it. If you don't, that's okay. I'm gonna say and I don't know which one this was, but I talked about it earlier. But Kidman versus Rey Mysterio, dude. Okay. Uh, but I know, I know that they met multiple times. Yeah, probably. Uh, but dude, uh, that's that's a match that I remember in my head as well. Is just being at, it was so wild to see um, their styles mixed together, and I guess that's really wrestling, anyways. Is like you know every personality has specific moves that they do and like is it gonna be is it gonna look good when you wrestle this other person who has these different moves you know and obviously you can always figure it out you can mix in normal normal stuff right um but when you're two exciting high flying dudes and you're fast and you're furious and (laughs) Yeah, it was I just remember it being mind blowing like how many counters when you have a counter to a counter to a counter to a counter to a counter that yeah. then lands then they're on the ropes dancing around you know what I'm saying it's just like what is happening it's so crazy um but yeah that's I think those two matches Kidman versus Rey Mysterio and uh Booker T versus Val Venus
0: wow that Booker T versus is I've never heard of that before, <laughs> ever, and I, I don't fault you because I have weird matches like that too that I like. Yeah. like. It was way later, obviously, but there was this Mark Henry and Wade Barrett match that I watched, and I thought it was great, but no one remembers it too, so there's a lot <laughs> of stuff like that. That's funny. I don't remember that, but I do remember a lot of Mark Henry.
1: Um, big old dude, man. Just a brick you know and well what
0: made it good was like this was like because this is way past what we're talking about this is like 2010 this was uh, yeah Wade barrett uh, had just formed the faction called the nexus and this was on monday night raw okay and this was to solidify him as a big main event player so they put him with mark henry yeah and the match was like so so you could do whatever you can't really do too much with mark henry but what made it great is (laughs) they set up his finisher and his finisher at the time is he would take you up in a Samoan drop and just lean you forward like that. And you would fall. Right. And it always looks shitty. Yeah. But for some reason, Mark Henry went to the top rope, which he's never done, <laughs> but he went up there and like Barrett is knocking him off. And yeah. it's a set up to him to get on his shoulders. Yeah. And he takes him and he walks a little bit and Mark Henry's like, it's like wobbling. And like he finally like forces him over, he's like, "Boom!" And it was the biggest impact I ever seen. I was like, "Oh shit!"
1: Like I was a kid. little Matt
0: goes down, like, (laughs) yeah, it was crazy. And he just went forward. And they were like, the commentators sold it so well. They're like, "Oh, I never see Mark Henry get manhandled like that." (laughs) And it was crazy. And that I always will remember that match as well.
1: Dude, that's awesome. I need to watch that. I need to watch that, dude. That's awesome, though. Yeah, and anytime a big guy takes a fall like that, anytime Big Show gets slammed, anytime Mark Henry gets slammed, dude, like it's um like crazy to just watch. You like that's so much human weight, you know, coming down and force, and it and they're doing it for the show, you know, and they doing it because they love it and you know obviously they make money doing it but they're doing it because it's art and they're telling a story you know what i'm saying and it's entertainment and um yeah so like we like we talked about earlier it kind of sucks so there has to be a love hate with wrestling um yeah but i think you know maybe maybe if people are listening in on this maybe we can help break that stigma you know and um you can be a fan of fighting real fighting and yeah. you can be a fan of wrestling entertainment. Like, there's no issues there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, there literally isn't. It, it's okay, guys. You know, you can be fans of both. There's um, there's entertainment in both, I guess. That's I'm clipping I
0: mean. that and sending that to Island Strong. There you go. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, uh, thank you for coming on, man. That was a good first episode back. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. No, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I look forward to watching um,
1: you with other people talking about wrestling. I'm definitely going to tune in. And I can't wait to be back on.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll definitely get you back on, man. All right. So, um, that's it for the Markout Podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And we'll see you next week. Oh Oh my god, God, are you kidding me? Roll up! Roll up!